0: Good morning. We are in Matthew chapter 23 today, so please open your Bibles there. We are in the middle of this message, uh, this series Seven Words, Seven Woes. Seven Words to, Seven Woes on the Scribes and the Pharisees. But let me ask you a question first Are you a detail person or are you a big picture person? Uh, there are details in life that need to take care of, there's the big picture. Uh, As my family and friends can attest, I can get lost in the details. And uh, it's easy to focus on the wrong things, and it's so easy to get focused on the details and miss the big picture. It's kind of what we're going to see today as we see the fourth woe on the scribes and the Pharisees, Jesus' word to everything tithers. So stand with me. We're going to read Matthew chapter 23, verses 23 and 24. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you that you are here with us. Thank you, Lord, that you want to speak to us, Lord, that as we think about your word and as we, most importantly, think about who you are, we pray, Lord, that we would get a fresh glimpse of your glory today, that we would get gospel truth, that you would use that to change our lives. We've seen that over and over again, and so we are trusting you for that again today. We pray in Christ's name amen so details are important the big picture is important um, it is so easy to get focused on the wrong things isn't it uh, if your car is broken down you probably shouldn't be worrying about you know polishing the rims or fix, uh, shining up the tires if your child is really sick you, you probably shouldn't worry if their hair is combed or if their room has been cleaned if you're having a heart attack you probably shouldn't Uh, worry about whether your socks match there are are bigger things to focus on now the religious leaders of Jesus' day were experts at micromanagement they they like to micromanage their own lives and everyone else's you might know people like that misplaced priorities, misguided priorities, uh, misdirected priorities easy to neglect the most important things and Jesus is is addressing that with the scribes and the pharisees and what we just read what i want to do today is focus on three uh, important issues that that these verses raise Uh, the question of tithing he talked about tithing so here's a good place to talk about that since the bible just did Um, let's talk about uh, obeying jesus said these you should have done while not neglecting the others and let's talk about neglecting so tithing obeying and neglecting those are going to be the issues that this passage brings up and then i want to after that address some common tendencies we have related to each of those okay so so if you think about it this these two verses are really about tithing obeying and neglecting in the context of hypocrisy let's remember the context in which this chapter uh is it's it's jesus's last public sermon in matthew and it's it's about hypocrisy it's about putting on a mask it's about it's about uh those who who played a part and were acting versus actually having it come from the heart i've mentioned probably for the last four weeks now five weeks that we are on a 90-day journey of of discovery uh, really of, of of cutting loose from uh the web of hypocrisy. Uh, really January to March or New Year's to Palm Sunday, however you want to put it. The goal is to be on the same page with Jesus, to be on his agenda. That, isn't that what we want in life? We want to we be pleasing to the Lord. We want to we do what, what the Lord wants us to do. But we do have to fight against hypocrisy. So if you think about it, a lot of the Christian life is trusting Jesus and fighting against hypocrisy, fighting against falsehood. C.H. Spurgeon said, I heard one man say that he did not believe that there was a true Christian living. He had, and the reason why is because he had found so many hypocrites. I reminded him that there could be no hypocrites if there were no genuine Christians. No one would try to forge banknotes if there were no genuine ones. But we do struggle as Christians with the sin of hypocrisy. We tell others uh, uh, about what we do and give and um, what we eat or don't eat. Uh, we, we parade our supposed uh, really good religious actions in front of other people so they will think more highly of us or maybe so that God will be, uh, be more pleased with us. Uh, sometimes we just pretend like everything's alright when it isn't. A lot of times we just say one thing and, and do another. But let's... Um, let's focus on these, these things of tithing, first of all, tithing, okay? So verse 23, Jesus says, woe to you, he's pronouncing judgment on them, and he says, woe to you because you, you tithe. They were tithing mint and dill and cumin, uh, the smallest garden herbs, the, the type of uh, herbs that you would grow in your, in your, you know, on your windowsill, and, and you weren't going to use the whole thing, just probably the seeds or a few leaves. So the very smallest of things they were giving uh, a tithe from. So what's a tithe? Most Christians don't really understand what a tithe is. Most people, though, can guess. They go, well, it's the 10%. The tithe is the 10%. And if that's your guess, you're right. To tithe means to pay one-tenth of. Now the key is paying. Okay? The key is pain so keep that in mind when we're thinking about tithing here for a moment now jesus said they were paying a tenth of their mint and dill and cumin now the most fastidious jews would literally sit there and they would they would um count out you know nine mint leaves and then one so nine for me one for you god and then now let's go to the cumin and little tiny seeds nine seeds for me one for you they would be that specific it's as if someone, like what if, let's say you said, I want to tithe everything I, I make. Like every dollar that comes in, I'm going to tithe. So like every time you get a dime, you put a penny in a bag. And you come to church on Sunday with, you know, a bunch of pennies in a bag because you were, you were that, that dialed into the idea. Th- that's how they were. But to think of tithing just as, well, it's 10%. Misses the idea really of what God was teaching His people, um, and when we look about it, look at it in the Old Testament, there were there were actually three tithes during the year, three. So the first was a ten percent annual tithe of the farm produce that was to be paid to the treasury of Israel. We see that in Leviticus twenty-seven thirty. So you had this one. tithe of the farm produce and every year you would bring it in as God prospered you as your crops grew you'd bring in 10% but there was another 10% annual tithe that was to be paid to support the various worship ceremonies and festivals you see that in Deuteronomy 12 so now you're up to 20% then there was a a once every three years tithe so really it was a triannual 10% so paid every three years to support the priests and the widows and the orphans and the aliens among them and you see that in Deuteronomy 14 so you've got another you know yearly what uh, 3.3% so the total would be about 23 and a third percent a year that would be their tithe. Now, the Pharisees were so scrupulous in attending to this requirement that they measured out even these smallest crops. These spices of mint and dill and cumin. By the way, they're, they're all good. Those are tasty spices and, and, and that, we, that we use today even. Um, and they paid a tenth of the out of these. So again, one for God, nine for me, one for God, nine for me. Um, Malachi spoke about tithing that might be in fact go to malachi 3 just right right before matthew malachi chapter 3 we'll just read verses 10 through 12 but you'll see and, and and you might be familiar with this this is one of those this is one of those um tithing passages or at least a couple verses that that explain it you start at verse 9 actually uh god is telling the people that they've been robbing him so no one wants to rob god right and they're thinking we don't We're not robbing you, God. How are we robbing you? And and he says in verse 9 of Malachi 3, You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Verse 10, Bring the full tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there was no more need. So... Now, by the way, most Christians just stop there and go, hey, I should give 10%. They don't really think about this 23%, 23 and a third. They, they think about the 10, they read Malachi 3, and God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. So what they do is they give of, of dollars 10% of what they make. And they feel really good about it. In fact, most Christians don't do that. Most Christians don't even get 10%. So what what a lot of churches uh, view is, ooh, the tithers are the more Mature, the more spiritual, the more, the more, the more uh, committed, because they really get it, quote unquote. And I've heard a lot of pastors. I've talked like that myself. So a lot of churches teach and expect tithing from their people. I uh, I got to share this with you. I, I know you, I don't like to tell a lot of jokes in the pulpit, but there were these two men, and they were marooned on a desert island and um, one man was pacing back and forth and he was so worried he was so scared because I mean you're on a desert island right but the other guy was like just totally sunning himself you know just getting a tan and stuff and he's, he's like, like loving it so the first guy says aren't you afraid you're about to die we're on a deserted desert island we're marooned he's like no I'm not I'm not concerned at all I make a hundred grand a week And I tithe faithfully to my church every week. My pastor will find me. It's true. You know, I'm seriously, we pastors, we see tithers as, oh, you know, they're more spiritual, they're more committed, they're more mature believers. Now, some controlling churches actually require it of their leadership. I know of churches in this area that require, if you're on leadership in this church, you give 10%. There are cults who require 10% off the top from all their members. You want to join that? You, you know, they don't go out and go, hey, if you want to join our cult, if <laughs> that will lead you to hell, just give us 10% of everything you make. It, they don't do it that way, but there's a requirement. What do we need to know? Do we, should we go on to the next point? No, I don't think so, because here's what I want to tell you. I want to tell you what God requires of you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ if you are a born again believer in Jesus Christ what should you do in in regards to tithing here's what you should do uh, and the question really is are Christians requri- required to tithe are, are we expected to tithe are we supposed to tithe and if we don't if we're not are we you know, disobedient are we not mature are we not committed things like that okay so here's what i'll say god doesn't want you to tithe he doesn't want you to tithe he wants you to give now before you think you're off the hook just you're gonna have to think this through with me a bit okay god doesn't want you to tithe he wants you to give he wants you to practice the 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 discipline of giving not tithing why 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 am i saying this some of you are going heresy heresy you know, why, are, why am I saying this? Because you can find a lot of churches that believe like we do, that are telling you, you need to tithe. Why am I saying you shouldn't tithe? Here's why. Because nowhere in the New Testament is it suggested as the normative Christian practice. You cannot find it. Tithing is mentioned most of the time in the New Testament, very seldom in the New Testament. When it is, it's usually negative about how it was being abused nowhere in the New Testament is it suggested as a normative standard for Christian giving or that it is required of the church of Jesus Christ that's why you shouldn't tithe and here's the other aspect of this God doesn't want you to pay a tithe God wants you to give freely see in, in the Old Testament they were paying a tithe the tithe was a form of tax why was it a form of tax? because Israel lived under a theocracy God was ruling over them. And so God through the tithe was providing for the nation, for even welfare, for whatever the need was. He, He was working this out. We don't live under a theocracy. We live under what you would call a republic or a democracy where we are ruled by people. But they were ruled by God. And so God was providing through the tithe, which was really a, a, you could say a form of tax so they paid it they didn't give it now interestingly even in the Old Testament what you can see is um, amongst those who were tithing because that's what they were supposed to do and Malachi is calling them out God is calling them out through Malachi saying you are not doing what is right but do you also see them giving free will offerings to God you also see them um, bringing gifts out of the overflow of their hearts on top of the tithe. God doesn't want you to pay a tithe. It's not a bill that comes, you know, the little spiritual bill that lands in your Bible, you know, and, and oops, I got to pay that. I just got paid, so I got to pay that. If you're looking at it that way, you're looking at it wrong. You're looking at it more pharisaically than you are, uh, you know, gospel truth orientation so it wasn't a voluntary offering it was required they were ruled by God in a theocracy they were taking care of things like welfare and the priesthood and really the closest New Testament parallel to that is paying taxes Romans chapter 13 that's really the closest parallel to the Old Testament tithe so okay we're not going on to the next point yet if you're not supposed to, to tithe in that way what? how should you give how should you give okay so I'm going to try quickly to give you eight points, actually, on this one. So we're going to take a little more time on this than on the rest of of what we're looking at. Because I think this, um, as God brings it up to us, is important for us because there's so much misunderstanding in the Christian community about it. So first, how should we give? Number one, generously. Generously. Go with me to 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 9. What does it say? God is, is, is speaking through the Apostle Paul. You'll know this as the cheerful giver passage. Verse 6, 2 Corinthians 9, 6. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So the idea of generous giving is in mind. When I think of generous giving, I think of Antonio Rossi. Have you ever heard of him? he's the man that started the Tropicana Orange Juice Company he came to the United States from Italy in the 1920's as a young teenager he had nothing but the clothes on his back and a Christian couple befriended him and through their influence in his life they preached the gospel to him and he got saved he became a believer and one Sunday he's in church and he he prays this Lord if you give me an idea for a business I'll be faithful to give a portion of everything I make back to your work so he founded Tropicana Orange Juice Company. Um, he was the guy who pioneered uh, fresh, fro- uh, fresh frozen concentrate orange juice. And he was faithful to give to God throughout his life. But not 10%. 50%. 50%. And, and for over 60 years he did that. And he also gave truckloads of free orange juice to Christian colleges across the United States. But generously. Generously. Uh, number two, Purposefully. Look at verse 7, purposefully, each one must give as he has made up his mind. That's how the ESV puts it, made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So number two is purposely. number three is cheerfully. But Let's look at both of those. So you got generously, purposefully, and then cheerfully. Purposefully is thoughtfully. You're thinking it through, you're, you're willful about it, you're deciding to do it that I am going to give this. I'm going to offer this to God. I'm going to, I'm going to bring this. Uh, but cheerfully is, is the idea of willingly. So you do it willfully, but you also do it willingly. You really want to do it. Uh, interestingly, I think the Greek word that, the word cheerfully comes from, hilaria, hilarious, comes from, I think, where we get our word hilarious. I'm not sure, actually. But it, it means to be propitious. It means to be gracious. The idea is that you are um, almost... Um, you're not under compulsion, which means to to compress something and, and and force something through. You're not being forced to do it. It's be, the idea of voluntary. So cheerfully giving is, is voluntary giving. It's, it's willing giving of your own free will. That's where you get the idea of the free will offering. Number four, we are to give proportionately. Proportionately. Just go one chapter back. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 12. If the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. Don't give what you do not have. Give out of what you have and give it proportionately according to what you have. And, and go, to first, go back to First Corinthians 16. Under this idea of being a, a proportionate giving. First Corinthians 16, 1 Corinthians 16:1, Paul says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you are also to do, on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. So interestingly, he's not saying bring it to church every Sunday. He's saying you set it aside every week. You, you bring it when, when, you, when it's time to bring it, but you set it aside. So this is the principle of the first fruits. As God has prospered you, as God has given you, set it aside. Set aside whatever you're purposefully, cheerfully, generously giving first of your increase the first giving the first check even if you're doing the automatic you know let's say you're doing the online thing the first thing proportionally and then fifth sacrificially it it should be sacrificial Galatians chapter 4 Paul um, says something kind of shocking really Verse 15. What then has become of the blessing you felt? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Well, there's a visual. Sacrificially, uh, I think about the widow's two coins, the widow's might, as, as it's known in King James circles. Um, you know, the idea of giving everything she had to live on, there's two little coins. They weren't worth a lot, but um, they were very sacrificial giving for her. And I think the wrong question to ask in terms of giving is, should I give 10%? I think the wrong question to ask in terms of our giving is, should I, should I give out of, off the net or the gross? I think the wrong question to ask in our giving is, how little can I give and be obedient and do my duty? It's got to be sacrificial. Quickly, a few others. uh, Six, humbly, humbly. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 4 that you are not to let your right hand and and your left hand, you know, talk about what you're giving and and see. Uh, And he's personifying body parts here. But the idea is that you should be giving humbly and not to parade it around. I remember uh, watching a pastor one time uh, with a building campaign uh, proudly put the first check, you know, in the bucket. And uh, I just thought to myself, I don't ever want to do that. <laughs> I just didn't want to do it. Because it was just too much of a, of a parade for me. And I realized he was trying to lead the way and all that. Um, I give, okay? I give. And I give regularly. Um, so we'll leave it at that. I won't tell you how much, nor, or, nor, you know, and all that. But, but let me just say that Jesus says that your giving should be in secret don't let when you, when you give don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you you don't need to get applaud you know uh, congratulated by other people number seven we should be giving compassionately compassionately go over to Philippians 4 Philippians 4 What we're going to see here is that, that Paul was talking to the Philippian um, believers and he said this, verse 10, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned before but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low i know how to abound in any and every circumstance i have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need i can do all things through him who strengthens me verse 14 yet it was kind of you to share my trouble you know and he talks about how, how many times that they gave to him to the work gospel work so compassionately out from the heart and then one more, and, and this is an overriding one, worshipfully. Worshipfully, still there in, in Philippians 4. In Philippians 4 and verse 18. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. A fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. there was a promise attached to that they were giving worshipfully they were they were worshiping god as they gave and the, the promise was this in verse 19 my god will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in christ jesus to our god and father be glory forever and ever amen so there was this worshipful aspect of giving because our giving should be an act of worship it should not be a duty that we that we grudgingly do it, it should be generous and purposeful and cheerful and proportionate and sacrificial and humble and compassionate that makes it joyful it's joyful giving you know it said there's three kinds of givers uh, the flint the sponge and the honeycomb to get anything out of the flint you must hammer it then you only get chips and sparks to get water out of the sponge, you must squeeze it. And the more you use pressure, the more you'll get. But the honeycomb just overflows with its own sweetness. What kind of giver are you? That's the question you've got to ask. What kind of giver are you? And note, the mode of your giving, be it pennies in a bag or cash or check or online, is not the issue. It is not the issue. Again, bring penny, pennies in a paper sack. Pre-counted, of course, if you want but the mode is not the meaning the meaning is to give glory to God the meaning is to give freely as God has freely blessed you so you give to God in his work to bless people and those in need that's how we should give okay let's quickly talk about obeying and neglecting obeying and neglecting Jesus says these you ought to have done what were they supposed to do uh, the tithing they were supposed to do that many people by the way have taken this verse and said look jesus commands tithing no he wasn't commanding everything else he was saying in this chapter about what they did this is what they did in their context And they said you should be doing this you should you these you ought to have done so obeying you, it means you do it you you you, you, you act upon the 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 idea, it's, it's willingly doing what God expects and requires. Owe nothing to anyone but to love. Just do it. Do what God says. But he says, these you ought to have none without neglecting the others. So there's this idea of neglect, which means to abandon, really ignore. Um, it's disobedience. Neglecting is Disobedience. So what they had done is they had they had been so tied into tithing little little herbs that they had forgotten about justice and mercy and faithfulness the the weightier things and and this uh, the word he uses here really means the more important things what, what's more important so they had neglected they didn't do what is ne- what was necessary or required to um, so neglect means to send something away leave it alone it's like you just let it lie there abandoned neglected forgotten um verse 23 you've neglected the way to your matters of the law justice mercy faithfulness so justice mercy and faithfulness were like sitting there like old run down cars getting rusty in a pasture it's like lost treasure that just is kind of eroding away and so verse 24 Jesus says you blind guides he calls them blind people again and he says you're blind because you're leading yourself and others astray then he says you're straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel God is using humor here overly cautious Jews would literally drink their wine with clenched teeth so that no insects would come into their mouth Um, both gnats and camels were unclean and detestable they would strain their drinks to make sure they wouldn't get a little insect. I know a lot of Christians that are really careful about all these little minute details, but when it comes to mercy and justice and faithfulness, sometimes they want to ignore that. Let's do this. Uh, I just want to wrap it up by giving a, a couple ideas. I think it's really easy to live with a scorecard in one hand and a magnifying glass in the other. A scorecard and a magnifying glass. How so? It is so easy to keep score of all the things we're doing, all the things that we're doing that God should be really happy with us about, and, and say, you know what, look, God, I did this. I've been a good boy. I've been a good girl. You, you owe me. Look at the scorecard. And look, I'm winning. All my peers have not done as good as me. They've not given as much. They've not served as much. So I should, I should get things good in life. It's not God's economy. And then we take our magnifying glass out and we, and we magnify our, our good points and, and magnify other people's uh, bad points or we'll say, you know, I'm, I'm just better than everyone else. You gotta be honest. Or they'll say, you know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just worse than everyone else. They'll take the high road, they'll take the low road, they don't stay on uh, glory road. <laughs> they just don't, they don't stay on, on, on where God wants them to be and then we'll get into this cancer of comparison and we start comparing ourselves to everyone else around us it's really hard not to do this it, it's, most of us do it if we're honest most of us do it we compare ourselves to others and then we magnify ourselves or we magnify others or we it's all this it's people orientated and what, what God wants us to do is magnify Jesus Christ magnify him So the uh, the everything tithers, they're the ones that like are so picky about doing everything. Jesus should, his word to them is, don't major on the minors. Don't major on the minors. Just do whatever God's word says. Do whatever the word of God says.